they did not see themselves as having authority over the Corinthian believers. This is because they understood that they were all fellow workers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, they said, we have no lordship over you. But we stand with you. We stand together with you. It was a faith. It is a faith that solely rests upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who died upon the cross. It's Jesus Christ who was buried and put in the tomb. It's Jesus Christ who rose from the grave and ascended to the right hand of the Father. We did not do that. He did that for us. And so together we stand. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Our teaching this morning, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 12-24. through 24. And here we find today, as he talks in the second half of chapter 1, In a message that I entitled, just taking it from the scripture, in him is yes. The Bible said in him was yes, but we're going to make it present tense. In him is yes. 2 Corinthians 1 verses 12 through 24. We're going to see in verses 12 through 14, our boast. In verses 15 through 22, yes and amen. And by faith we stand, verses 23 through 24. Well, we find the yes and the amen in verses 15 through 22. Again, I'll read for context. Picking up in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15. And in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you and, to, and be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh that with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? But God is faithful. Our word to you is not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you By us, by me, Salvanus and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us 
is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a deposit. So, yes is a yes, and the no is a no, verses 15 through 17. Paul said, we have this confidence. I intended to come to you. He's telling them that he had plans. I intended to come, that you might have a second benefit. I wanted to come and bless you a second time, to pass by way of Macedonia and to come again to you, to be helped by you on my way to Judea. This is the plans that we had made, but Paul understood in making these plans that God had the privilege to change these plans. Paul acknowledged his plans to the Corinthians here, but they had not been accomplished. For when planning to depart from Ephesus, he had planned to go into the providence from Macedonia down to Corinth, to make his way there and to be blessed by them and to bless them as well. Yet it didn't quite work out the way in the which Paul had planned. In Acts 19 verses 21 and 22, he tells us when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit that when he had passed through Macedonia and Acacia to go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent two into Macedonia to minister there, and he himself stayed in Asia for a while. And so we have the plans of Paul, but Paul is telling the Corinthians that though I had made these plans, things didn't quite work out the way I intended. He did get to Corinth a second time, but it would be after this letter was delivered to them. And although Paul had fully intended to follow through with his plans, he understood that Jesus by his divine authority, could overrule his plans. This is how it should be in our own lives, too. In James 4.15, it tells us, instead, we should plan this way. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. If the Lord wills, if this is the Lord's will, then this is what will be accomplished in our lives. For Paul, his yes meant yes. His no meant no just as Jesus commanded us in our life today. Again, we already looked at this once before. In the political cycle that we find ourselves in, uh, coming up quickly to the presidential election, we wonder about our politicians and exactly what they mean with their words. Are they having these hidden meanings of human wisdom that Paul is actually talking against here? Does their yes actually mean a no? Does their no actually mean a yes? They can try to confuse these things. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 37, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Whatever is more than these is from the evil one. We need to be careful. But it doesn't mean that we are not to plan. At the beginning of this year, on March 1st, we had a planning meeting here at the church. We talked about our summertime activities. That included a Memorial Day parade in downtown Lake Villa, our plans for a June vacation Bible school, a picnic, a, a big church picnic in July, and an annual family camp. The parade in downtown Lake Villa was canceled, so we had no choice in that. We canceled the June 
Vacation Bible School. We did pull off a, a rather condensed uh, cookout in July, and we had one of the best family camps, I believe, to date. It is not wrong to plan because planning gives us direction and intended goals. But we must always be aware that God can supersede or overrule our plans. He can give us things that were unthought of. As at the beginning of this year, we didn't think about doing live messages through Facebook Live. We hadn't thought about having live messages on the radio station, but we're doing both of those now. And God is blessing those things now. So sometimes we plan. The plans may not work the way that we intended, but we need to plan in this sincerity, this idea of God watching over us by letting our yes be yes, our no be no, trusting that God will watch over our plans. He'll make sure that what needs to actually be accomplished will be accomplished. Again, not yes and no in verses 18 through 22. He tells us in verse 18 that God is faithful. Our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. Verse 20, for all the promises of God are in him, are yes, in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who established us with you in Christ has anointed us in God, who has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Paul moves away from the past travel plans to the reality of their ministry among the Corinthians. He said he began by reminding them that God is faithful, something which Paul trusted that the Corinthians not only believed, but that they understood. He reminded them of this now for the third time now in his letters to the Corinthians. Paul has reminded the Corinthians of God's faithfulness. He did twice in 1 Corinthians 1, 9. He said, God is faithful by whom we were called into the fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, a verse that many people memorize and love, that no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will make a way of escape so that you will be able to bear it. God is faithful. And here again, we discover Paul saying it again in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, that God is faithful. A lot of times when we think about faith in God, we think about the faith that we have toward God. But here, Paul reminds us that it's God's faith toward us, God and his faithfulness. It's the same Greek word. When we talk about having faith, pistis is the Greek word that is used. That same Greek word is used here when talking about the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. It's something that was taught in the Old Testament as well. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for thousands of generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. 
And again, a favorite two verses of many people. Again, in the Old Testament, Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Paul next reminds them that he, Salvanus, Timothy, they preach not with uncertainty, not with a yes and a no, but with certainty concerning Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They preach truth concerning Jesus Christ, this truth that the prophets foretold of, that John the Baptist testified of, that Jesus and his disciples in the first century church all proclaimed this truth concerning Jesus Christ. As Paul said in Romans 1, verses 1 through 4, he said, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scripture, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. This gospel that they preached that was prophesied in the Old Testament, proclaimed by Jesus and the disciples in the New Testament, the believers of the first century, they preached Jesus Christ, born of the seed of David, declared to be the Son of God, which was proven by his resurrection from the dead. For a second time, Paul said, the gospel that was declared to you was not a yes and a no, but a yes message in him is yes, as all the promises of God are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. In him is yes and amen. All the promises, all 330 promises of Jesus's first coming, combined with his over 500 prophecies about his second coming, all the promises find their fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Romans 15, 8 and 9 tells us this. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. For this very reason I confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. For this very reason, Jesus Christ has become the servant to the circumcision and also to the uncircumcision that we might be saved. All of this was done to the glory of God through us, Paul said. For God who brought Paul's ministry team and the Corinthians together, God brought them together. God established, anointed, and sealed them with the Holy Spirit of God. And I love it that Paul reminded the Corinthians of the three persons of the triunity of the Godhead. We know this as the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Paul reminded them of the triune God working for their benefits. And he also said that you have been sealed by the very Spirit of God as a guarantee. That it is God who established you. It's a Greek word that refers to having something that is known for certain. 
You've been established. You know this for certain. You've been confirmed in this. It is God who anointed you. It speaks about this consecration of a sacred office. They anointed priests. They anointed prophets. They anointed kings. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And God tells us that we ourselves have been anointed by the Holy Spirit as believers in Jesus Christ. We are also been sealed. It speaks about a stamp. It's a Greek word that refers to the signet ring. In their day and age, it was putting that seal of approval, the signet ring being stamped on an item to not only secure it, but to preserve it. As the word of God tells us in Ephesians 1 verses 13 and 14, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. God establishes, seals, anoints, those who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You need to know this today. In believing in Jesus Christ, that it is God who has established us, that he has sealed us and he has anointed us. And finally, verses 23 and 24. Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul that to spare you I came no more to Corinth, not that I have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for joy, for by faith you stand. By faith we stand, verses 23 and 24. Paul, in verse 23, calls God as a witness against his own soul. It is apparent from Paul's epistles that there were numerous opinions among the Believers in Corinth concerning Paul's motive or motives of not returning to Corinth earlier. It's why Paul wrote First and Second Corinthians to them. And although Paul had remained faithful to the Corinthians and he had even stayed with them for a year and a half. That year and a half ended with a threat against him and against the church. We read in Acts 18 verses 12 and 13 that when Galileo was proconsul of Acacia, that the Jews, with one accord, rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. Now, Galileo, he dismissed the charges. He wasn't worried about an issue of religion between the Jews and the Christians. But it caused conflict within the church there. And so Paul now calls God as his witness. He calls God as a witness against his own soul, that he has stayed away from Corinth, actually to prevent them from having further persecution. He did it for their benefit. You know, we still use the same appeal when affirming truth in our own lives. In certain matters, we might say, as they used to do, I don't know if they do this so much in courtrooms today, I think it's becoming less and less popular, but it used to be in the courtrooms of old that someone was put on the witness stand that the bailiff would hold a Bible and say, 
Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And whether a Bible was presented or not, this was used to get a commitment of truth from the witness. They were asking that truth would be required from them. Now Paul invokes the witness of God. He says, I swear by God against my own soul. Do you realize in doing this that Paul, if he was lying, knew as a Jewish man, he knew this very well, that he would have then been breaking at least two of the Ten Commandments. Commandment number three in Exodus 27 says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Here in the United States, we hear this, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We think of maybe using God's name as a cuss word, as a curse word. But it would be taking the name of the Lord God. I swear by God as a witness against my soul. This, if he was lying, would be breaking that third commandment. He would also break commandment number nine. Exodus twenty sixteen says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So if he was lying, he would be breaking two, at least two commandments of the ten. Paul affirms that his purpose of coming sooner was not that they would be hurt, that he would actually spare them from further troubles and persecutions. He reminded them in verse 34 that we are fellow workers in the faith. We're in this together. That's a common a saying, but it should be true of the church. We are in this together. Paul reminded them, not that we have dominion over your faith, but we are fellow workers for your joy, for we by faith stand. Not that we have dominion. It's a Greek word that refers to someone being the Lord or master to exercise authority or rule over someone. He said, we are fellow workers. We are co Laborers In the gospel, it speaks about the Christian church of teachers, but also believers that together we serve the Lord. We stand. It's a Greek word that simply refers to stand or to set or to make a stand. We stand because of our faith in Jesus Christ, even though Paul and his missionary team they were apostles, they were missionaries, they were evangelists, they were preachers, they were teachers whom God used to help bring the message of the gospel to the Corinthians. They did not see themselves as having authority over the Corinthian believers. This is because they understood that they were all fellow workers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, they said, we have no lordship over you. But we stand with you. We stand together with you. It was a faith. It is a faith that solely rests upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who died upon the cross. It's Jesus Christ who was buried and put in the tomb. It's Jesus Christ who rose from the grave and ascended to the right hand of the Father. We did not do that. He did that for us. And so together we stand. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, 
in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And to this day, we, as co-laborers, stand by faith in Jesus Christ. It's the gospel in which we stand, in which we are saved. And so, Father, we ask that you would be with us. We don't know who. And we ask, Lord, that you would be with those whose hearts even now are being pricked toward the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, maybe you have challenged them. Maybe you have challenged them to let their yes be yes and their no, no. And they have understood, Lord, that they have been deceptive. And Lord, they need to live in this simplicity, in this godly sincerity that we learned about today. Maybe today, Lord, it's a Christian just committing their heart to walk in all your ways afresh once again. Perhaps, Lord, it's someone who's never asked for you to be the savior of their life. And now today, Lord, they choose to do so. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Oh,